Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman. George McGee is a professor of uh, theater uh, at Georgetown College, has been there a number of years. We'll ask him uh, a little bit about that background. But George McGee is also Henry Clay and has been for a number of years as a Kentucky Chautauqua performer. And it's delightful to have you uh, on Think Humanities podcast, uh, George, because uh, we've uh, tried this a couple of times. (laughs) As well known as you are um, in um, Kentucky, uh, portraying uh, this uh, character, uh, as well known as you are uh, for your uh, theater uh, prowess and your professionalism <laughs> there, it's just thank great to, to get to know you better and, uh, and to have you on the podcast. So welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Let me just start and ask about your background, um, how long you've been at Georgetown College, and, and, and what led you to Georgetown uh, uh, several years ago? Uh, let's see. That's, uh, that's a long story. Let's see if I can shorten it up a bit. Um, I've been at Georgetown College since uh, 1984, and I've uh, become one of their grand old men at this point of Georgetown College. Um, and so it... Um, my wife and I were, I think, ready to, uh, to, to uh, leave South Florida and with our children, and so we came up uh, fortunate to be offered a position at Georgetown College, and, and then uh, we settled in, and it, it has become our home, and uh, we've, uh, we've, we've enjoyed it. My, I think my wife um, w- wanted to experience the seasons um, um, that she and I both grew up in the Midwest, and so we grew up with that. And I think in South Florida, she got tired of beautiful sunshine <laughs> and things like that. Yeah, uh, she hopes she still thinks that way. Uh, but uh, we, we've had sort of a uh, a wet winter and uh, chilly at times. Yes. So, uh, yes. South Florida sounds pretty good at times uh, to me. It's always different, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Um, were you, um, tell me about your theater, uh, background experience. Were you, uh, uh, an actor as a kid? Did you uh, love producing, uh, uh, home theater, uh, for family or friends or school? That's, uh, um, you know, I, I, as you get older, of course, and you kind of go back and you, you start reflecting back on how did this happen? Um, for me, it was a professor, um, I had uh, spent a couple of years in the Army, and when I got out, I was um, just kind of taking classes as you were supposed to be taking classes, and I had a speech class. And this professor, I wasn't a real good student, and, and this professor um, had in the speech class um, made us do a speech to uh, inform. And I had, of course, forgotten all about the due date for that, uh, mm. that speech to inform. And so a friend of mine said, well, you know, I think, I think you have to do it today. I think you're on. Mm. So I was trying to think of what to do f- for my speech to inform. And I'm, I thought, well, I'm my, my guitar is in the car. I will, I will teach people how to tune a guitar. And that seemed like a great idea. 
And I was sure by the end, end of my speech that I had absolutely buffaloed that professor. And as I was packing up my guitar and walking out, and he said, Mr. McGee, um, can you actually play that guitar? And I said, uh, yes, kind of, sir. And he said, well, I'm doing a play, and I need a guitarist, and you need extra credit. <laughs> and so I ended up uh, playing guitar for this play. And as I walked in the rehearsal hall, and I looked around the room, there was probably one or two guys, but there must have been 15 or 16 beautiful young ladies. And I liked the odds. <laughs> and I think from that point on, I decided I want to be an actor. <laughs> what, what was the play? I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> I think it was um, Ghost Sonata by Strindberg, uh -huh. actually. Oh, goodness. Uh, so I, I was jumping in the deep end of the pool uh, for that. But all I had to do was play incidental music with, yeah. with guitar. But I liked the ensembleness. I, I liked the, uh, the openness of the people. They were very forgiving, I think, as, uh, as actors sometimes are. And so one thing kind of led to the other, and I started taking classes. And, uh, and at one point, one of my professors, I think, said, you're pretty good at this. And uh, so I think in the back of my mind was, well, how do I get your job? Mm -hmm. how, do, how do I become a theater professor? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've been really very, very fortunate. Uh, it's been a great career. So becoming a theater professor is, of course, um, does that go along sort of hand in hand with, with acting experience and, uh, and directing and uh, teaching in the classroom is one thing. Being in the theater is another, I, I'm going to assume. Is, is that the way it works? Well, I, think, uh, I think yes and no. I, I think from... For my professors, I think the, the professors that were very animated, uh, the, the professors that made learning fun, uh, I, I really enjoyed those classes. And so I think I, 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 I wanted to be like that kind of a professor. Um, and so fortunately, the subject matter that I taught was speech and theater. And so um, it was pretty easy to be animated um, to try to find exercises that were fun to do. Uh, and then, of course, in moving into um, producing plays, putting on plays, um, it just seemed like a good fit for me. My wife is a librarian, and, and I think early on, uh, she discovered that library science was a good fit for her. And so we've been both very, very fortunate. Being in theater, does it uh, automatically mean that either as a uh, professor or as uh, an actor or a producer director that you have to uh, delve into Shakespeare at some point in your in your career, or um, another like a playwright that uh, that is maybe not as popular as um, I remember from maybe high school uh, the importance of being earnest was always oh, one, uh, one that you yeah. saw yeah. Uh, performed and still do and uh, still all do. across uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, any spectrum so mm -hmm. so is Shakespeare part of your your training your formal training and teaching and somewhat and um, probably and not I probably I know I did not study uh, Shakespeare as as much as I should have um, but I do tell my students that I believe that uh, playing Shakespeare is the, um, 
Well, I think it is probably the, the yardstick for an actor. Um, it, if you, when you take on the role of, of a Shakespearean character, your work is really cut out for you. And uh, that, that really, I think, is uh, um, how you can judge yourself as an actor about how successful you are in playing Shakespeare. Um, it's always a challenge. I don't care who you are. It is a great challenge, but it is always worth it. Are the young people that you see um, in your college courses today as prepared for speech, uh, speaking extemporaneously, or in your classes as they were 20 years ago? Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, the thought just occurred to me that, that I'm going to sound like a really old man here that, uh, say, well, the kids aren't like they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, we, and I count myself in that, that group. Um, I, I think we've certainly become a bit lazy when it comes to speech, uh, and in placing young people on the stage, uh, they're so used to, um, I think, um, speaking in a, in a normal speaking voice that projection is, uh, becomes an issue with my, uh, my young actors. Um, speaking clearly is, a, uh, is, a, is sometimes very uh, different for them to have to think about. Um, and so, yes, I... I, I we have, uh, I, I think we are so used to working in film and in television that we've, we've forgotten, I think, how to project. And, uh, and that's, I don't, I don't think that's a lost art, but it is, it is an art that, uh, that I, we, as, as professors and teachers and, and students, I think we really need to go back and uh, take a look at that again because we've become lazy. How long have you played uh, Henry Clay, Senator Henry Clay? Uh, Henry Clay, my goodness, that's good. It's been a long time. When the um, Humanities Council first began the program... um, And that was in the 90s, the early 90s. And I started out as Elijah Craig. and, And I really enjoyed Elijah. Um, but a, a good friend of mine at one point has, uh, said, you know, you look, you look something like Henry Clay. And, um, and I must admit, I, I didn't know a great deal about Henry Clay. And so I immediately went to look at a picture of him. And, and I thought, oh, no, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know not, not Depends on whether it was Henry Clay on, a, on his good day or... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but the, so I, and I really did not know much at all about Henry Clay. Um, and so I did start to read a bit, and I fell in love with this guy. Um, he, what an incredible life. What an incredible life. And, and so I, I started working on Henry Clay... And um, he has taken me um, many, many places. Uh, I've had an opportunity to introduce him to a lot of young people. And I think that's, uh, that's the fun part of it, is um, they, they know the name, kind of, 
Um, but exactly who this man was, um, that's, that's been a great fun. Um, um, just the other day, I had a chance to work at a middle school. And I'm not sure how much the students knew coming into the room about who Henry Clay was. Um, as, as I dress as Henry Clay, that's the, obviously the first thing that they take a look at. Um, it's, a, it's a different outfit. And uh, Henry Clay, he was tall, slender, um, dressed in black. And uh, so it, it is a different look, which is a great attention getter. And then to tell his story, um, which is an incredible story, um, has just been uh, a great joy and great pleasure and great opportunity. Did um, young people, uh, for that matter, uh, older people, um, mm. Did they know of uh, Henry Clay's past and history? Uh, I'm, I'm going to use the, uh, the the time period 20 years ago, uh, more than more so today, because I continue to hear and and we talk with other uh, Chautauqua performers mm-hmm. and we talk with historians and we talk with uh, teachers and professors that, as you know, history is just not being taught uh, as it was uh, mm-hmm. several years ago. So did did more people know of him at that point than than today? Um, I think they did. Yeah. I, I, you know, there's, you know, I'm, as, a, as many teachers, I think, will tell you that um, we, we teach uh, what is required. Um, and, and unfortunately, history is one of those subjects that um, has not been given the, uh, the importance, I think, that it, that it uh, deserves. And so, um, in many times, I will go into a classroom or to a, an auditorium, and I'll ask the students ahead of time, "What do you know about Henry Clay? What do you know about me?" And um, sometimes, unfortunately, the answer is not much. They named a high school after you, I think. I think, and I said, yeah, "That's about right. Yeah. <laughs> That's about right." But but, but yes, um, I think. I was, I grew, growing up, I, I was always fascinated with history. I think in the fourth grade, I told my teacher I wanted to be an archaeologist. And when she told me what kind of grades I would have to get to be an archaeologist, I changed my mind. <laughs> but I always loved history. Yeah. And so this, this, uh, this has been a great opportunity, not only to, to go around and introduce Henry Clay to students, uh, but also, uh, hopefully, to make them think that uh, learning about history can be fun. Uh, I reenact the duels, a couple of the duels with Henry Clay, and so it gives, it gives me a chance to be, um, how do I put it, entertaining. Uh, and uh, and have a, he had certainly had a wit, and, um, and he certainly had an interesting life. And so you combine all those things, and I hope... Um, upon hope that when I leave, uh, those students will want to learn more about Henry Clay, more than and just he fought a duel or two and um, never became president. I, I often ask this of um, of historians, and uh, uh, I will ask uh, you: Why is Henry Clay important? Uh, why should Henry Clay be important to Kentuckians? 
I think uh, the, the first answer that comes, comes to mind is that he believed in compromise. Um, he truly was dedicated to, I think, the art of um, building a case about you know, your position and then listening to the other side, so to speak. And then where can we meet in the middle? Um, it seems to me lately that um, I've heard politicians say, um, I will not compromise my beliefs. And I want to ask him how long he's been divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, because certainly a marriage uh, requires compromise from all parties. And I think that when it comes to presenting ideas, um, that you have to be willing to see the other side of it. And Henry Clay, obviously, to keep the union together, I'm preaching as Henry Clay now, but to keep the, 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 the country together and, and not have civil war, um, he dedicated his life to trying to find areas of compromise. And uh, so that, that is, you know, if there's a big message in what I do when I travel around, it's we've got to listen to each other and see if we can find area of compromise. Do you, in your portrayal, uh, especially with young children, that's a, a major theme of what you're trying to, uh, uh, to get over to them through, through, your, through your performance, but also, I, I'm sure, in some give and take with the, with the audience and with the children? Very much so. My, um, I do a lot of audience participation. And, uh, and so the, uh, the first story I tell is, is a story that Henry Clay told about uh, him as, uh, as a four-year-old boy and Colonel Tarleton and the British troops invaded their farm. And just the trauma that, uh, that he experienced at that point. Um, and it, 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 it's, for me, it is absolutely incredible in storytelling to be able to tell that story from Henry Clay's point of view, talking about Colonel Tarleton's troops and how they invaded the farm, invaded their home, destroyed their home, killed their animals, and what that must have been like for a four-year-old boy. And to be able to tell that story, you know, at, mm-hmm. at, a, at a period in, in his life, you know, I'm, I'm 70 years old now, and so, I, so I'm you know, telling this story as Henry Clay from an old man's point of view. Um, it's, it is so much, uh, it is so enjoyable to look out into the audience and see them listening to the story be told. And I was telling my wife yesterday after I was at a middle school and she asked how it went. And I said, it was really, really good. And, and I explained to her why I thought it was good is because in, in, in listening to, to what I was saying, I was also being able to monitor how they were listening to it. And I could then speed up, slow down, Mm -hmm. and become basically what a good storyteller does. Um, When you know that you have your audience and they're interested in what you have to say next, um, that it's one of those moments where I get home and I feel good about what I did. Mm-hmm. And the back of my mind, I think, and the Humanities Council is even going to pay me for this. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so thank you for pay, for allowing me to play Henry Clay and I get to pay to do this. Well, it's uh, uh, quite honestly uh, through uh, the, 
the goodness of people who believe in history, uh, our sponsors and our funders, and, right. and through the National Endowment for the Humanities, uh, that this program has lived, our longest sustaining program um, uh, in, in the Council's history, going on 46 years now in Kentucky, and uh, the Chautauqua performances, performances are, are at the uh, number one request on, on everything that we do. Um, do, do, you have, uh, wh- wh- do you have a particular passage of your performance uh, uh, that you might recite for us, just a hmm. particular, kind of set up the, uh, the moment? And... Okay. Um, the first, most, so much of, of my work is done in schools. And um, so I tried, as I was developing the script, um, I tried to think about if I was a fourth grader or a junior high school student, what would catch my attention? Obviously, in speech class, they teach, you know, an attention-getting device. And so I tried to start out by, by trying to think of what would be a good attention-getting device. And it seemed to me that in that age, they're starting to be aware that grandma and grandpa um, are not only getting very old, but perhaps they've lost a grandparent. And so that makes you start thinking, well, then my parents are someday not going to be here. And then someday I'm not going to be here. And so the, for, the, for the Henry Clay speech, the, my attention-getting device, so to speak, is, is when I... I I have my great Henry Clay suit, and um, I take a pause, I take a beat, and I look out at the audience, and my first line is, I have no memory of my father. And it's one of those things where I, I can watch their reaction to that line. I have no memory of my father. Well, my next, if I was sitting in the audience, I think my first reaction is, why? What, what happened? And if I can get them with that first line, I have no memory of my father, um, then half my work is done. <laughs> I have their attention. And I've got them thinking about perhaps themselves. And now they're interested in why would happen. I want to know. And then I go on and start to tell the story about Henry Clay. Uh, his father died when he was just four years old, so he had no memory of his father. But then that leads on to the story of his mother and Colonel Tarleton and the British troops invading the farm. And so one, that's, if I can catch them on that first line, then um, I'm on my way. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, when you're addressing different audiences, you, you appear a lot in schools, and mm-hmm. do you... Do you necessarily uh, alter your performance before an adult group? Um, in some ways, yes. Um, in some ways, no. In some ways, yes. Um, the uh, if it is like a, a banquet kind of uh, program, um, generally the husbands did not want to go. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so they have kind of grudgingly, I think, come along. Uh, so what I try to do is I'll work the room, so to speak. Um, I, I will I have my little calling cards as Henry Clay. I will uh, go up to a table and introduce myself. 
and try to find a couple of uh, gentlemen who would be willing to play along because so much of my program is audience participation. Mm. Yeah. So if I can find a couple of gentlemen who are willing to, to allow me to approach them, uh, take my card, and then I can say something about, I, I understand it. he didn't vote for me last time. And if he has a sense of humor, then I'll, I will certainly pick out that person <laughs> to come up and join me with the duel or something like that. And so uh, an important part of, of, of my program is, is I think, um, trying to get to know my audience as quickly as possible. Yeah. And who would, be, who would be gamer to get up here and play? Yeah. So... Um, Henry Clay was a um, owned slaves um, um, all of his life? Question mark. I mean, is it until late late in life, if not uh, beyond that? Uh, And is that because of the, uh, especially today, uh, the sensitivity of 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 race relations and uh, the struggle that we still have? I believe uh, in. In the relationship that we have uh, all over the world with different minorities and diversity issues, all of that, is that a particular area that? How do you approach that? Um, and we we have, of course, that uh, after my regular program, then then we open it up for questions, and um, and and that is where some of those important discussions take place. Uh, I've had young students, high school students, stand up in the auditorium and as Henry Clay, um, you know, why did you own slaves? And certainly that, uh, and, you know, I, that is always a difficult subject for me. Um, if, if, uh, if I decide I'm going to step out of character and talk about Henry Clay and uh, being a slave owner, and I and most of the time that's the way I take it. And so I have my my obviously my script that I go through. And in the talkback session, um, when it comes to slavery, um, and I try to talk a bit about my my belief about how Henry Clay felt about slavery. Um, he Liberia. Uh, perhaps you know, sending the, the slaves uh, back to Africa, um, trying to find, trying to find a compromise, trying to find a way to keep this country together uh, that is being torn apart over the issue of slavery. New states uh, coming in is either slave states or free states, uh, tearing the fabric of our country apart. Um, it is a di- very, very difficult. Uh, question. It's a very dif- difficult uh, answer uh, from my standpoint. Um, yes, he was a slave owner. Yes, he hated slavery. Um, I, 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 I think a, a historian would probably be able to trace his progress of being, as a young man, he, he obviously hated slavery. There's a story about when he was a young boy and he found a runaway slave. Um, he went home and gathered food to give to that slave so he could run away. So he always knew that slavery, I think, was wrong. Um, why he didn't come out and say, if I am elected president, mm. I will do away with slavery. Um, I wish he had. 
it would have been, you know, it would have made made my presentation a whole lot easier. Mm. Um, but he didn't. Um, it's so it's a very complex issue, not only for Henry Clay, but certainly for the for the country during that period. Um, and we we are still dealing with the aftermath of of slavery in this yeah. country. Yeah, even today. Yes. Would he have uh, what? What do historians tell you, and what what has your own research uh, told you uh, about his uh, attempt at at the presidency? I mean, he was <laughs> without a doubt successful as Secretary of State and uh, uh, serving uh, uh, senator uh, three uh, three ran three times. Yeah, three yeah. times defeated. Yeah, twice denied the, no, the yeah. nomination. Um, he, as a, and I think it's Robert Remney's book where he talks yeah. about more than anything Henry Clay wanted to be president, and maybe he wanted it too much. And that's you know these are my opinions. Yeah. They're not not based on any of my my friends friends who are historians who have been who have been very good about uh, about helping me to understand this man. Um, he I, I I assume. Um, that Henry Clay wanted to be president because he thought that he could find a compromise between the North and the South and the, and the expansion yeah. of slavery. And that he would be able to, as president, be able to help this country come to grips with slavery. Um, it's, it, it's a, he was a very complex man. Um, in some ways, I, I, I wonder um, if he wanted the presidency because he thought he could do the most good over anybody like mm -hmm. Andrew Jackson or John Quincy Adams, or if there was an ego that, that had, to be, um, had to be encouraged or, or that, uh, that he felt like um, he was the only man that, that could help bring mm -hmm. about peace in this country i don't he was a very complex man and and i think in in some ways a very private man uh he was certainly in, in a number of the books that i've read he was a, a very emotional man um and i th i like to think that he was a very 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 bright man um i, I like to think that Everything that he tried to do in his career, he did because he thought it was what, what was best for this country. Um, but certainly he had an ego. I mean, I, I'm not sure you can run for president and not have yeah. an ego. Mm -hmm. um, do, I'm, I'm often asked the question, you know, what kind of president... I think that Henry Clay would have been. Good question. And I, and I, mm -hmm. so I wish I knew the answer. Um, I... I, it certainly would have been a challenge for him. Um, I would hope that he would have been able to focus in on those areas where he would have been able to do the most good. And I, I think um, his, his belief in, in his, um, the, the American system that he called, where he, he believed that the, the country... Uh, should build roads and bridges and canals so it would it would connect all parts of this country and bring this country together. Th that's the Henry Clay that I like to to, to 
encourage people to read about. That's Dan Henry Clay that I, I hope people will, will, will fall in love with. That's the Henry Clay that, that, uh, that um, encourages me to think that this is a man that loved his country more than he loved life itself and was willing to, to obviously, his last, his last trip to Washington, he was so sick, he was so ill. Um, he really had no, no, he shouldn't have gone. Um, once he got to, to Washington, that last short term in the Senate, uh, he was so ill, he never made it home. But he was so dedicated to doing what he could for the sake of his country. How can you not love this man? Well said. <laughs> Professor uh, George McGee is Henry Clay uh, and has been for a number of years and we hope uh, continues to uh, work with us at Kentucky Humanities in our Chautauqua program. Uh, and it's uh, so good to, to get to know you better, uh, George, and to have you on our podcast. Uh, we appreciate it and wish you and Henry Clay good luck. Thank you very much. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. SoundCloud.